Welcome to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. The show is being broadcast on 770-CHQR here in Calgary and in Edmonton on 630-CHED. Every other Saturday morning at this time during the summer, I'll be speaking with Premier Jason Kenney about some of the issues of the day. But this is really your opportunity to talk to the Premier one-on-one. Just be respectful. Be patient, and if you're texting, try to keep those texts short. I really don't need to read a library uh, or a full novel on the air, all right? Uh, Those numbers are 403-974-8255 in Edmonton, 780-496-0063, and elsewhere throughout the province, 1-800-563-7770. Premier Kenny, have I pushed the right button? Are you with us? Uh, yes, I am. Are you, can you hear me, Wayne? I can hear you, and uh, glad to have you back on the show this weekend. Great to be back. You know, I think there's a perception that summer usually has a dearth of news because that's when people typically take vacations. You know, I think the, the thinking is that stuff doesn't typically happen during vacation time outside of the occasional major item, and it's it kind of reminds me of that uh, the title of the classic movie, Death Takes a Holiday. But, wow, this summer, news has definitely not taken a holiday. So I'm going to hit you with a few of the highlights before we head to the phones and text lines. And... What the heck happened that allowed this controversial essay to be named a third-place winner out of a whopping five that were submitted? Now, you know, I think that abysmally low entry number should also be a concern. And then if this one made it to the top three, I guess your government is taking some solace that it wasn't named number one. Um, By the way, I may be wrong, but I don't believe a lot has been said about the winning essay. And I think that that person has got a little bit shortchanged. But I've got to wonder if the controversial one made top three what does that say about the two that didn't make it? And those are just a few of my thoughts. The big question, of course, those responsible for judging, two UCP MLAs, they blew it. Should they resign? Uh, well, I, I don't really know what happened here, Wayne. Apparently there's a group called the Commonwealth Women's Parliamentary Association that I uh, first time I heard of it was last week. And... Um, this there was clearly a breakdown in how they assessed the essays. I don't know how the what the process was. Uh, I'm waiting to hear a report on that. But uh, this is not the government. Uh, people in the legislature have different associations and they they do different projects. This is one they screwed up. They've admitted that. They've apologized and. Um, committed to ensure that it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Now, one of those uh, who had submitted an essay that didn't make the top three said that they should not resign. Nevertheless, there's been a whole firestorm of controversy over this thing. Well, I, I, clearly the essay was offensive, but maybe that is proof that it wasn't a big news week, Wayne, that uh, we, in Alberta politics driven by Twitter, we've been talking about the third place of uh, an essay contest no one's ever heard of for a week. Yeah, exactly. And again, what happened to number one? Uh, much hue and cry over a big bonus paid, almost a quarter of a million dollars to Dr. Dina Henshaw. Now, not to disparage the job she did during the pandemic, but the optics, uh, you know, in my opinion, uh, they're just not that great. I mean, I imagine it would be a bit demoralizing for those frontline workers who are in the, in the tough wage talks. And then again, there's the average Albertan who might think that that bonus money could have helped in other ways directly and, and more beneficially to the health system. Yeah, I understand that, Wayne. And uh, first, let me say a huge shout out to all of our healthcare workers. Uh, and certainly uh, many put in huge overtime hours. And in the case of, of uh, physicians and nurses, typically they're, they're compensated for that. Um, and it, typically senior executives are not because they make a, a, a large they get a large compensation package uh, on a basis of an annual salary. But one thing that I learned through this uh, when the story broke, or just I think the day before, 
is that uh, apparently there's been a long-standing system for people working in the Alberta Public Service on emergencies who are salaried employees, that if they put in significant overtime hours, they can qualify for uh, something called compensation in lieu of overtime. Uh, in this case, that was, or in all cases, it's been authorized from within the public service. It's never gone to the elected officials. It should, particularly when dealing with a, with a bonus of this size. Um, I have huge respect for Dr. Kinshaw. Uh, and she basically, I think, was you know working nonstop for the better part of two years on this, and, and acknowledged that. Um, but there has to be a better way of doing things like this. Uh, I, for myself, my own purposes, Wayne, like you know, I, I've typically worked uh, eighty hour plus weeks and never. Well, there's no thought or co- of, of overtime compensation for that, and I think that's generally the case for people in executive positions. So yes, I do think the but you're also needs to you're also an elected you're also an elected politician, though, Mr. Kenny. Yeah, 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 and 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 that's where the buck stops, and that's why the Minister of Finance has said there needs to be a review of this whole process. And payments like this need to be approved at the cabinet level going forward. All right. One more question before we hit the phones. Will you comment on the increased in-house support that UCP leadership candidate Danielle Smith is now getting? You have Labour Minister Casey Madhu, former Cabinet Minister Devin Dreeshen, Service Alberta Minister Nate Glubish. They've all announced that they're backing her. And former Taves supporter Pat Wren has switched his support to Smith. What does that tell you? If, if you were to take a step back and just look at this race objectively and without giving a personal endorsement to any one candidate, what do you think these shifting allegiances say? Uh, sorry, Wayne, nice try, but uh, once again, I'm not going to bite. <laughs> All right, I tried. Okay, <laughs> quick side note. Former Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall, who, of course, garnered a lot of respect after his term in office, has come out in favor of former UCP Cabinet Minister Rebecca Schultz. He believes she can keep the party together and win, your, uh, win next year's provincial election. And I guess we will find out on election day, on uh, leadership election day. All right. Um, correct. Okay. I tried. All right, let's get to the phones. Uh, we're going to go to Justin because Justin is calling from Edmonton and he's got a question about the leadership race. Go ahead, Justin. You're on with Premier Kenny. Good morning, Premier Kenny. Good morning, Justin. Yes. Uh, so um, this is not about um, this is not about you know which candidate you you support, but what do you make of the tone of the leadership race so far? Because there have been some candidates that I feel have put very good policy ideas for the future. And there are other yet other candidates who uh, want to examine the past. So what do you make of this leadership race so far? Again, Justin, uh, sorry, I, I'm just not going to delve into that. It's not my job. I mean, if there are people that have policy questions uh, uh, about his positions, I, I have to speak to his premier. I'm happy to address those, but uh, I'm not going to get into being a color commentator on, on the leadership election. All right. Okay, we're going to go to Bill uh, in Edmonton. Uh, Bill, go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Good morning, Premier Kenny. I am really interested in small nuclear reactors as a backup for our uh, grid power, for one thing, but also for isolated areas that we are not getting enough power to, you know. It seems to me a smaller nuclear reactor of an investment, probably from the province and the federal government, would allow for water in some of our native areas, for one thing, that don't have any potable water. And they wouldn't have to keep on trying to get their diesel generators working to pump the water or whatever it takes. 
Um, I really think that it's a, the, there's nothing to fear from these things. And I really believe that it's the future. So I'd like to know where we're at. Yeah. Great question, Bill. I agree with you 100%. Uh, I think there's huge potential for the new technology around small modular reactors uh, in Alberta. That's why um, I had Alberta join a task force with Saskatchewan, Ontario, and New Brunswick to explore uh, potential development and application of small modular reactor or SMR technology in Alberta, uh, in Canada, excuse me. Of course, SASC has the uranium. Ontario and New Brunswick have reactors, but Alberta could uh, has a good chance of being the largest consumer or user of SMR technology uh, because of the unique uh, n nature of the oil sands in particular. Now, you're right in pointing to remote communities. It, SMRs are one of the amazing things about this nuclear uh, technology is it really is scalable. Um, I'm, I've always been a huge fan of nuclear power generation. It's the only form of power generation which is 100% uh, uh, non-emitting, like there's zero uh, CO2 or G greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, and so it should be a huge part of the solution to the emissions reduction challenge. Um, I find it, I'll just as, as a side note, Wayne, point out how hypocritical it is that so many on the green left are rigidly opposed to nuclear, which is the biggest solution to emissions reduction. Now, having said that, um, the, the technology is not quite there yet, uh, but we are working, uh, as I say, with other provinces and with uh, the oil and gas sector, uh, particularly the oil sands companies. They see this as being a critical part of the phase two of their pathways uh, initiative to reduce emissions. And we're working with um, SMR companies, proponents, uh, and I'll be doing some more of that um, later this month uh, in, in uh, working with uh, potential investors to bring SMR technology to Alberta. All right, we're going to pause for a break. I'm Wayne Nelson, and I'll be back with Premier Jason Kenney and more of your calls. We'll get to some texts as well when we return on Your Province, Your Premier. Welcome back. Your Province, Your Premier airs every other Saturday morning at this time from 10 until 11 throughout Alberta here in Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 CHED. I'm Wayne Nelson and let's go to the phone and text lines. I want to hit their two together here, uh, Mr. Kenny. The first one from Jace uh, texting in from Edmonton. What are you and the UCP going to do to help farmers fight the 30% fertilizer reduction? And while you're uh, mulling over that one, I want to go to Don in uh, Edmonton who has a similar question. Go ahead, Don. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hi, Mr. Kenny. Um, yeah, I was wondering if there's any way that Alberta and um, Saskatchewan possibly could veto this uh, 30% reduction in fertilizer because this is going to cost the farmers a lot of money. Plus, we're running into a world food shortage. And uh, I, I see the World Economic Forum is also trying to get the European countries to cut their fertilizer use by 50%. This is absolutely insane, especially that we're in the midst of a food crisis and we're supposed to be the, one of the breadbaskets for the world. We're supposed to be yeah. helping out our fellow man. 100%. Yeah, totally agree, uh, Don, with you, and thanks to Jace for the question as well. This is, uh, it, it's just nuts uh, that at a time when we're looking at a global food crisis, uh, um, now, by the that the feds would be looking at uh, mandating a, a huge reduction in fertilizer use. Um, Wayne, to be clear, what they're talking about is a 30% reduction in, in nitrogen content in fertilizer, which right. effectively is all, covers almost all fertilizers. And um, I, I think a lot of city people may not understand that 
uh, how much agriculture around the world depends on fertilizers for high yields. You know, in the Canadian prairies, we have virtually tripled uh, yields uh, over the past 35 years or so, thanks to uh, thanks to technology like crop science, uh, like fertilizers, seed technology, and other things as well. But that's why we're able to feed, uh, feed a growing global population. Uh, but even before uh, the green left started to for, uh, push governments. Uh, to uh, bring in these anti-fertilizer policies. We already were seeing in the past year uh, fertilizer production come off. Europe has already shut in about half of their fertilizer production, not as a policy mandate, but as a result of the sky-high uh, natural gas feedstock prices, um, which are partly a result of Europe's uh, naive and disastrous green left energy policies that handed their uh, monopoly on supply over to Russia. All of this combined means that people will die in the developing world because of food unaffordability and food scarcity. So, yes, we are fighting this. We are joining with uh, the vast majority of Canadian provinces. We told the feds that when they dropped this idea at the meeting of uh, federal and provincial ag ministers uh, about three weeks ago, and uh, we are going to use every tool at our disposal uh, to fight it. Now, it hasn't come forward yet as a concrete proposal in terms of legislation or regulation. So far, they're throwing this up as a trial balloon. So I want to encourage Canadians as regular folks, if they think food prices are already too high and they don't want to see people in the developing world dying of starvation, please speak out and stop and help us to uh, get the feds to stop the madness. Yeah, I was just uh, driving around uh, parts of southern Alberta here a couple of weeks ago with my dad uh, and, and he was commenting a friend of his farms out near Strathmore and it was talking about the yields and he was flabbergasted. At the, at the production, I believe it's a bushels per acre, uh, that they're now getting compared to uh, when he was growing up. And, well, yeah, there was a, back when I was a kid in a farm town in Saskatchewan, 30 bushels an acre for wheat would be a, a, a decent yield. Yeah. There's a lot of farmers across the prairies now doing three to four times that, and depending on weather. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, let's uh, flip subject here. We're going to go to uh, Scott. Uh, from the Edmonton text line, he said, Mr. Kennedy, uh, Mr. Kenny, the feds are closing an iron ore mine in Baffin Island. 1,000 plus uh, Inuit got pink slips. What does this mean for Alberta natural resources? Well, yeah, the, the feds stepped in actually, it was about three years ago and announced a uh, unilateral moratorium on energy, oil and gas development uh, in the north without even consulting the territorial governments. And of course, they have huge um, energy resources up there that are undeveloped yet. And by the way, you need energy. You need, a God, dare I say it, hydrocarbon energy uh, to uh, run those diesel generators and heat homes in those remote Arctic communities. Uh, it doesn't matter what people in downtown Toronto think uh, about environmental policy, good luck living on Baffin Island without uh, running diesel generators and, and without having the benefit of our ample resources. But there's another concern because just about the only major private sector economic uh, move, momentum in the north of the Arctic region comes from mining and resource development. So if the feds can step in, and take away their right to develop oil and gas, then is mining going to be next based on what the people in downtown Toronto and Ottawa want? This is why 
we've worked really hard as a government to form an alliance with other provinces and territories to defend resource development. All right. Back to the phone lines. Uh, this is a subject that we've covered uh, many times on this show, Mr. Kenny, but uh, Tasha uh, is going to ask it again. Uh, Tasha calling in from Edmonton, and this is uh, regarding an ish question. So go ahead, Tasha. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hi, Jason Kenny. Hello. Um, I, know, I know you've been asked this question um, a lot, and I know you say that you um, are uh, seeing if it's sustainable. I'm just wondering where you guys are at at um, putting the indexing back onto the H benefits with the inflation that's happening. Um, I know a lot of people um, on H who are finding it very difficult to meet their basic needs. And um, Okay. Um, yeah, I'll leave it there. All right. Thank you. Yeah. No, good. Thanks, Tasha. Uh, so um, I, I think it's important to recognize, first of all, that Alberta has by far the most generous benefits for persons with disabilities. Our age payments are 40% higher than the next most generous province. We're, we're uh, almost twice as generous as many provinces. And Asia is not the only benefit that most of those folks receive. Many also receive, if they're elderly, they receive the guaranteed income supplement, old age security, uh, perhaps CPP, uh, Alberta seniors benefit. Many also benefit from uh, public housing subsidies, from uh, other from all three levels of government. Uh, and of course, uh, many are able to work and do also receive um, in, uh, earned income on top of age. So it's not just this, the, the, the flat payment uh, that people benefit from in terms of the, you know, there's also the GST low-income cr- credit. We're providing people with, uh, with other forms of support. But we are, you know, that is something that we'll look at. I, I, I want to correct the record on one thing, Wayne. Um, age was never indexed in, 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 except for like uh, for uh, a couple of months before the last election. Uh, so we've gone, this is, a, this is a program that started in the 80s. It was never indexed until it was an uh, election thing under the NDP. Uh, but uh, we're looking at that. All right. Uh, Rory is on the phone from Edmonton. Rory's been hanging on here for uh, quite a few minutes. Uh, let me see if I can push the right button. One, two, three, four, five. There we are. Rory, yes. go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Yes, Mr. Premier, and thank you, Wayne. Uh, you know, as the member for Calgary Elbow, I, I hope you stay on as a, a backbench MLA uh, for, or for the rest of the, ter- the term to save a taxpayers a secondary by-election. And But I wanted to know is what would you think of moving the legislature for, say, a week at a time to, to Calgary? You have all that uh, space, including the Southern Alberta Premier's office, to bring it to the people, like the old-fashioned farmer social credit days like Manning and everybody uh, thought of, and uh, Aberhart, like and bring it to, say, a week in Lethbridge, a week in Medicine Hat, and maybe up in Fort McMurray for a week. Just make it not spread it out, not just have it only uh, at the, uh, at the well, Edmonton building where people don't get access it. You know, make it more family-friendly. I've read a lot of Alberta political history. I don't. You think they actually held sessions of the legislature in those towns? I didn't. I wasn't aware. No, of that. no. I was just thinking of it as an idea to make it more people and more. I guess okay. the, the modern term is inclusive, Jason. I just thought <laughs> it would be a neat idea to bring it well, to different parts of, all, of the uh, province. First of all, I would say be careful what you ask for. I think it was Thomas Jefferson who once said, "When the legislature is in session, no man is safe." Uh, I mean, <laughs> um, so. I, I'm not sure Calgarians would be super excited about it. I get your point, though, which is there should be, uh, you know, uh, elected folks need to make an effort to um, be more accessible around the province. And um, we have tried to do occasional caucus retreats and cabinet retreats in different parts of the province from 
from Grand Prairie to down south. We've done less of that than I would have liked because of COVID, you know, just kind of jammed things up. Um, it's one of the reasons Alberta does have a, a, a the McDougall Centre, which is the Premier's office and kind of cabinet offices in downtown Calgary. Um, but I, I, I think that's a good idea. You know, Ralph Klein always used to talk about dome disease, by which he meant uh, MLAs who spend way too much time in the... In the legislature. Um, yeah, in a pressure cooker of the ledge. And it was always a good reminder. He would always tell his caucus, spend way more time back in your constituency. So it's a good point. All right. Uh, previous caller also... Uh, Wanted to know if you were still going to stay on as a backbencher after the uh, leadership uh, election. And just follow up on that from Lorraine in Calgary. Uh, go ahead, Lorraine. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hi. Good morning, Premier Kenny. I've uh, tried to have this question answered several times now, and um, it never seemed to get on air when I texted you. Uh, basically, what I'm phoning about is, uh, I remember when you were with, were with the federal government, you had uh, mm-hmm. jurisdiction over several very, very high-profile um, cabinet posts, and uh, all of Canada uh, recognized your very hard work on immigration, justice, and so on. What I'm phoning about this morning is... Um, I probably, along with a whole bunch of other uh, Albertans, would wonder if you would ever consider running for the federal uh, PM job, obviously going to the ropes of uh, of uh, becoming the leader of the uh, federal conservative party. Have you given any thought to that? in the long-term future? Oh, well, Lorraine, thank you for the question and your kind words. Uh, it certainly was a privilege to fight for Albertans in Ottawa and, and uh, to be a senior member of Prime Minister Harper's cabinet and, and to get a lot of things done there, good things, uh, which are I, I'm proud of. Uh, but, uh, I, Lorraine, I, I, <laughs> I really have no intention of doing that. I mean, look, since I... Um, since Justin Trudeau was elected, a bitter pill for me in 2015, uh, we've gone through now, we're in our third federal conservative leadership, and I've been asked in each one of those by a lot of people to consider putting my hat in the ring, and I've declined. Um, I'm, I have been really uh, privileged to serve Albertans here, getting the province back on track, uh, and uh, and I'm looking forward to some new challenges in uh, different areas. Um, and so that's what that's what I'll be doing in the future. I don't uh, and Wayne on your question. Um, I haven't thought through all of that yet. Uh, it is my intention to stay on the ledge uh, for at least a, a period of time. I don't want to force a, a by-election for sure. Uh, but part of that will be up to the to the next leader. All right. Uh, text message coming in from Calgary. Uh, when you were first elected, there was talk of bringing in legislation that invoices must be paid in 30 days, and if they weren't. The government would intervene. Whatever happened to this? As a small business owner, collecting money from large companies and government is challenging as it sometimes takes months to collect payment with no recourse. Yeah. I I thought we did take some action in what we call prompt pay legislation. We proposed something, but there's a lot of pushback from different businesses. Uh, And so, Wayne, I've got to get an update on that. But it it apparently, it looked a lot more, it became a lot more complicated than we thought it was on the face of it. But I get the point that um, 
a lot of small businesses are living hand to mouth, waiting for their uh, payables uh, to to get fulfilled by their vendors, and then uh, we don't want the government being part of that. So we we I think the government should be paying as promptly as possible to keep the cash moving to any any of our vendors. All right, uh, back to the phones. Jim is calling in from Edmonton on COVID mandates. Go ahead, Jim. You're on with Premier Kenny. Yes, thank you, uh, Premier Kenny. I just want to. Uh express my appreciation for you being on the air every week to take calls if every leader in the country did this well everything would be a lot better because we'd get answers uh, i'm calling regard to covid it came out in federal court that uh, the trudeau government lied about the medical basis for vaccine uh, passports uh, vaccine policy would you consider setting up a independent judicial inquiry in alberta because it seems like we need one that people won't trust the system, won't trust politicians, won't trust the medical community when it's been proven that we were lied to. Okay, th- uh, thanks, Jim. The answer is that we, Alberta will be doing a comprehensive uh, independent review of the provincial response uh, to the pandemic. Uh, and uh, the health minister will be making an announcement about that fairly shortly here. And uh, it won't be a judicial inquiry. Um, I said earlier to the idea of moving the legislature to Calgary for some of the time, be careful what you ask for. Often these judicial inquiries turn into multi-year projects where lawyers make a fortune, uh, tens of millions of dollars are spent, and the focus is on process, and people often forget what they were supposed to do uh, when it's all over. So I don't think a judicial inquiry is, uh, is the right approach, but we do need to learn lessons for sure. Uh, and uh, I do hope the feds do something similar. All right. I was just about to read Chris's text message, uh, but he's now calling from Edmonton, so we'll take his call instead. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, your timing's perfect. You're on with Premier Kenny. Well, good morning, Mr. Premier. Uh, my question this morning is uh, whether you believe uh, realistically that Alberta or any of the Western provinces, for that matter, <clears throat> can realistically... Um, move to uh, seek a constitutional amendment given the populations in the western provinces and eastern provinces and the amending formula as did you say a secret constitutional amendment i don't know what you mean no just to 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 seek a constitutional amendment i misheard you sorry about that sir yeah that's all right Uh, and 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 the question really is you know uh whether uh, there's any way that Alberta can amend or move to amend the Constitution? Mm-hmm. Well, given, given the, in your in your view, I mean, is it realistic? Because, you know, I looked at the Constitution Act and the population in the various provinces, and I tried to do the math, and it just, the math just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's a very good question, and the answer is yes, we can move for constitutional amendment. In fact, we sought, we tried to do so uh, with our referendum on equalization. We then ratified that through a formal motion of the Alberta legislature, which is what triggers uh, the amendment process. And there are different amendment formulas in the Constitution. The, the one on the principle of equalization, Section 36, would be um, the 750 formula, seven provinces, and those seven provinces right. representing 50% of the population need to sign off to yeah. amend the Constitution. So we have tried. Right. Uh, there is no take-up by other Ottawa or any of the other nine provinces. And we are... Uh, now, I have approached other provinces about 
because we do have an alignment right now of what I would call basically center-right governments in about, I think, eight of the provinces. And so there is a kind of uh, political alignment amongst many. And I have talked informally with them about joining us on some an amendment to strengthen provincial powers under the Constitution. But again, even, even there, there's been uh, very little interest. So, um, you know, uh, I, I do hope if there's a change in the federal government, all of that might change. All right. Thank you, Mr. Kenny. Uh, I was going to read a text line, a text here. <clears throat> you know, for those who are listening, we got a, a ton of text messages on both the uh, the Ched uh, text line and uh, ones here in Calgary. And I certainly try to get to most of the text questions. And I wanted to address this one here. Uh, this fellow or, uh, or, or, or woman has... Uh, Texted in several times, uh, Mr. Kenny, uh, starting back when the show uh, went on the air. Uh, and the latest one is, uh, same sycophant UCP callers every week. Surely there must be other calls and texts that challenge the premier. Now, it's interesting. I just wanted to put this out there. Interesting that, uh, you know, we, we have this social media uh, these days where everybody can hide behind uh, uh, texts and, and Twitter and all this stuff. This person, uh, you know, very critical, uh, doesn't put their own name down and doesn't even pose a question. Uh, so I just wanted to put that out there. If this person uh, certainly has a has a, a question that challenges the premier, hey, let's let's hear it. Don't just be hey, uh, sit back on the sidelines. Wayne, good for you. When I do uh, Facebook live sessions, I, I will often go out of my way to quote people who say, "Hey, Kenny, you're just taking stack questions. Why don't you ask mine?" Like, I'll quote those. So good on you. I think that sometimes when people who live in the anger chamber of Twitter, uh, you know, virtually speaking. They can't imagine that not everybody is as angry as they are. Yeah. And so people who just ask normal questions about normal issues are regarded as sycophants. Well, actually, guess what, folks? If, if you're spending too much time on Twitter, turn off the phone, go out for a walk, talk to regular people, and you'll find that not everybody's that angry as Twitter is. Absolutely. All right. Let's get back to the phone lines for someone who, uh, who has um, the gumption to put in a phone call to you, Mr. Kenny. This was from Kim in Calgary on tax reductions. Go ahead, Kim. You're on with Premier Kenny. Um, I heard an advertisement uh, indicating that your government had reduced taxes for everyday Albertans. And I'm wondering, other than the fuel tax, what other taxes have you reduced that impact everyday Albertans? Right. So we, uh, you're right. We did eliminate the Alberta fuel tax, which is the, we're the only provincial government to have done that. That's, um, uh, that's uh, is significant savings. It could be several hundred dollars a month, a year for pe uh, people if they're regular drivers. We also eliminated the uh, NDP carbon tax, which was the single largest tax cut in Alberta history. Uh, in addition, we reduced taxes on employers, and that's what's helped to bring this new economic boom to Alberta, where we're leading the country in economic and job growth. And I do hope that um, a future government will be able to move forward with income tax reductions based on uh, our improved fiscal situation driven by our strong economy. Okay, thanks. Thanks very much for calling in, Kim. Bye. Uh, text message now from Terry. Terry is referring to an earlier question. He says the Alberta government has indeed passed prompt payment legislation. Terry said he was somewhat involved in the process through our construction association. Yeah, I thought so. I thought we had, which is why I was confused by that question. 
The details were tricky, but we did pass prompt pay legislation. We looked at it based on what Ontario had done. And uh, when I'm just saying on the details, I'll have to have to get back to you. Sure. All right. Uh, another text message in. Uh, what is your take on the so-called Sovereignty Act? And- well, um, okay, and I will answer that question because it's a policy question, and it's something that it's become a bit of an issue in the leadership campaign. But I addressed this was a proposal made. Uh, long before there was a leadership election and um, long before any candidate had proposed it. Um, You know, I would point to the uh, thoughtful analysis done by Howard Anglin, uh, disclaimer here, my former principal secretary, but I think he is one of the most thoughtful conservative legal scholars in the country. He's doing his post-grad at Oxford right now. And he um, is a big champion of provincial powers and a big critic of the Trudeau government, as am I, obviously. He refers to it not as the Alberta Sovereignty Act, but as the Alberta Suicide Act. Uh, and he says that it is, and just quoting from his article here, uh, it's a scam, baloney, bunk, balderdash, and bunkum. Uh, it's the political equivalent of a shy, sideshow tent painted with lurid images of wonders never before held by human eyes. Uh, I agree with Howard uh, and many, and basically every other legal scholar that has spoken to this. Um, it is, the proposal is for Alberta basically to ignore and violate the Constitution in a way that is unprecedented in Canadian history, um, it, it, to not enforce the laws of the land, including federal laws, which include the criminal code which is uh, nuts. And there is no doubt in my mind that if the legislature were to, pa- were to pass such a flagrantly unlawful uh, bill, that the lieutenant governor uh, would not grant it royal assent. So it would never become law. We'd be right back to 1936 with Bible Bill Eberhardt's funny money bills that w- could not get royal assent from the lieutenant governor. So Alberta would become a laughingstock um, with the lieutenant governor uh, doing her job, which is to to uh, ensure the, the rule of law and the Constitution is respected. Uh, if a lieutenant governor were in the unthinkable circumstance to grant it royal assent, it would immediately be struck down by the courts. So, I, I mean, I, I, I just think this is... We should be talking about real practical ways to fight unfair Ottawa policies fight for a stronger Alberta. That's exactly what we're doing. That's why we created an uh, Alberta Provincial Parole Board, Alberta Chief Firearms Officer. It's why we've won control over the regulation of major industrial greenhouse gas emissions, uh, methane regulations, northern uh, habitat protection. It's why we are serious about pursuing potential Alberta Provincial Police Service, Alberta Provincial Pension Plan. Um, and so it's why we held the referendum on equalization. It's why we brought back Senate elections. It's why we've sued Trudeau on the carbon tax and so far succeeded in suing Trudeau on the No More Pipelines Law, Bill C-69. It's why we've got all 10 provinces to back us up on that. These are practical, realistic, real-world things, not, um, as, as uh, Howard England says, a political sideshow that would only jeopardize investor confidence just as our economy is turning around. All right. 
We're going to pause right there. If you have questions for Premier Jason Kenney, if you have concerns or issues that you feel need to be addressed, phone or text. The number in Calgary, 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0063. Elsewhere throughout the province, 1-800-563-7770. I'm Wayne Nelson with Premier Jason Kenney, and we'll be back to wrap things up in our final segment on Your Province, Your Premier. Wayne Nelson back with you as host and moderator of Your Province, Your premier broadcast throughout the province every other Saturday morning during the summer from 10 until 11 right here in Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 Ched. The numbers are 403-974-8255 in Calgary, 780-496-0063 in Edmonton, elsewhere throughout the province 1-800-563-7770 We have quite a few calls. I want to get to this text uh, right off the top though, Mr. Kenny. Please ask Mr. Kenny why my 16 year old is now being asked to pay a whopping $5,000 a year for basic liability insurance on his first car thanks to his policies, your policies. And that's from Kevin. Uh, so, Kevin, I, I don't know why your, your son's getting charged that. And uh, I can tell you that uh, our, we haven't changed our, a policy with respect to uh, insurance in Alberta. It's a market. We, we don't believe in nationalizing it. We don't think people would be well served by that. Uh, the, the reality is that, uh, generally speaking, uh, auto insurance rates have been coming down over the past year. We expect to see more of that. We have brought in legislation that limits certain soft tissue damages from the courts, which um, uh, have been driving up uh, payouts by the insurance companies and therefore uh, premiums. Uh, we want to see more competitors coming into the Alberta insurance marketplace. And so policies uh, you, you, that are un, unsustainable, like a so-called premium cap, all that does is to drive uh, companies out of the marketplace, which is what was happening under the NDP. It was getting harder and harder to get insurance. Uh, and, uh, and, so, and many people had to pay for the full year upfront cash uh, for their premiums uh, because of the exit from the market. So uh, we, we are seeing more people coming, more companies coming back in. We're starting to see some of those rates start to come down. Uh, and I, I know this is frustrating, but it's, uh, it's, part, it's part of the uh, just market reality there. All right, to the well, phones. Wait, I've, got a, I've got an update for the earlier uh, question on the um, prompt pay legislation. We did right. indeed p- p- pass that in 2020. It sets a 28-day timeline for project owners to pay invoices to general contractors and a seven-day timeline for contractors to pay subcontractors after receiving payment. It also extends timelines for registering liens in the construction industry from 45 to 60 days and the concrete industry from 45 to 90 days. And it comes into force on August 29th, so just in two weeks' time. All right. Now back to the calls. Uh, Claude calling from Edmonton. Go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Uh, good morning, Mr. Kenny. Um, I'm. You were talking earlier about uh, how we're going. How the increase in, in in funds into the Alberta government have uh, changed a little bit, and it's mostly because of uh, the the oil industry and the natural gas industry uh, and prices going up, and we're getting a little bit better on that. Uh, during uh, during the past two years of COVID. Uh, alcohol, cigarettes, and gambling kind of kept the province going. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've checked into that and, and seen uh, the price differences. Um, now, we also went after people on ish, and we have an increase in homeless people 
you're talking about lowering taxes. Is is the is the government so uncaring that they want to give everybody a general tax break and in the meantime not do anything for the people on each and the people that are, are uh, un- unemployed, living on the streets, some of them uh, want to. A lot of others are forced into it. Uh, sure. What's your viewpoint, so, sir? Th- thanks very much. No, I don't think we should do, as you asked, nothing for people on Asia. The contrary, we give them Asia, which is the most generous uh, income benefit for people with disabilities. We also give them a, uh, allow them to keep their age if they work um, up to a certain point, so they can have earned income. They also have many of those folks also receive other social benefits. As I mentioned before, altogether, Alberta is by far the most generous. We also have the lowest taxes by far for low-income people. Obviously, no sales tax. Uh, sales taxes hit lower income people harder, and it's a regressive tax in other parts of the country. And 40% of Albertans pay no provincial income tax at all. Um, so we have the most generous social services and benefits in the in the country. In terms of the unemployed, well, that's why we our government's been focused on trying to get taxes back down. We started with the job creation tax cut for employers um, because the NDP, after they raised the business tax rate by 50%, uh, guess what? We saw revenues decline from corporate income taxes. They went down under the NDP since we cut corporate taxes by a third from 12 to 8 points. We've actually seen revenues from business taxes go up because a rising tide lifts all boats. We're bringing more investment to the province, more businesses. They're, they're hiring more people, reducing unemployment. Unemployment's now down to 4.7%. I believe the lowest it's been since uh, nearly 2014. And unemployment for Alberta women is under 4%. That is a result of pro-growth policies, including that tax cut, which is getting people off the unemployment lines uh, into gainful employment, which, and I believe the best social program is a good job. A good job doesn't get created with higher taxes. All right. Uh, to the phones, Ron calling from Calgary. This is an insurance question. Ron, go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hello, Premier Kenny. Uh, Hi, Ron. I just, I just wanted to reiterate the question that uh, the previous caller months before made about insurance. Uh, yeah. Um, rather than what have you done what can you do about lowering insurance because i have a 20 year old and an 18 year old and paying four like four thousand dollars per year for each of their policies wow so wow. i know wow. that you've, you've capped the soft tissue rate i know these things that have been done one way or another but what else can you do because these insurance rates are crazy and it's like the guys they're only driving like fifteen hundred dollar cars yeah and so when you're paying four thousand dollars a year for an 18-year-old who's getting to work, you know, never mind the fuel prices, appreciate the 13 cents, but the fact is, is, and and everything, you know, it's a, it's an industry, it's made to make money, but when you look at the dividends paid to any of the major insurance companies, why are we taking the the the, the brunt of it as a as a consumer? Sure, good question, Ron. Yeah, thank you, Ron. And I, that those rates just as just seem. Uh, incredibly high to me too. I uh, so all I can say is that we do have like this is a regulated industry, so if they're going to when they adjust their rates, they have to apply to uh, an independent body to get those rates approved, and they have to make the case they're not taking unreasonable profits. Uh, and uh, all I can say is that it's a market. We need more competition. 
so there's more companies offering better rates to get a larger market share. That's how the market works. Right. Uh, someone, either that, someone texted in and said we, uh, go, we go to a, we nationalize the industry, and I don't think that's uh, that's productive. Yeah. One of our texters uh, said uh, the amount is due to the no fault uh, aspect of insurance. Okay. Uh, well, that's 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 a, that's a that's a whole other issue. And uh, you'll want to get the, the trial lawyers on to talk about that whole kettle of fish. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, we've got time for one more quick call. We're going to go uh, Dave in Edmonton. Uh, Dave, you've got uh, less than a minute, so go for it. Yeah, I'd like to ask uh, Premier Kenny if the province is going to do something about this handgun ban, because I think it's just a... Uh, uh, a move to get cheap votes from people who don't really understand the issues. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. I, I agree. It is um, it's just political bad, no, more bad political theater from the Trudeau government. Uh, there are already very strict laws and regulations around uh, handgun ownership. Uh, anybody who's a firearms enthusiast knows that. Um, we have uh, uh, created an Alberta chief firearms officer to take over application of the federal laws from Ottawa, and we'll be announcing some other steps in the near future about that. Uh, and she is advocating uh, very strongly against this and other stupid federal firearms regs. Uh, but ultimately, the only way we're going to stop some of that overreach is, to, is a change in the federal government, and that can, cannot come too soon for me. All right. Premier Kenny, we've got to run. Thanks for joining us once again today. It's been a, it's been a great uh, and interesting show. Yeah, as always, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks very much, Wayne. You bet. We'll do this again a couple of weeks at this same time. I'm Wayne Nelson. You've been listening to Your Province, Your Premier.